Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I'm pleased to be with Black Dog 8, Michael and Katie, the founders, which is a premier agency in New York. Thank you both again for being here. Thank you for having us, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. And I'm pleased to say it's the first time in person. Usually it's during Zoom. Yay! So it's a, it's a, it's a lot better. We, we're old school. We like in person. And it's right with, up, with a safe distance. With a safe distance, and we have our masks, so some more traditional than others. <laughs> <laughs> But you forgot the important part, that Domino is also here. Yes, Domino, their lovely dog. So um, if she make, makes uh, comments, they'll be very welcomed. <laughs> <laughs> She's very serious. So to get started, can you both just give an overview of Black Dog Gate, who you are, how it came about? Sure. Black Dog has been around for over 16 years. The company originated because we saw a particular uh, lapse in the market where it seemed that retailers were beginning to tire of the mega brands. Yeah. And we felt that we could bring into the market interesting emerging brands, mostly international. And that was, that was correct for that time. And over the years, we've had more of those periods where um, stores, again, have tired of these big brands. And I think we're in that period once again now. In addition to what Michael just said, I think overall Black Dog can be described as a multi-brand wholesale showroom, buying advisory, a general handholder shoulder to cry on for brands, <laughs> for retailers, and friends in our fashion community. Well, I like the term shoulder to cry on. That's, that's, a, that's a good term. And also the fact that in emerging brands, I think that is more in the need at this moment. Because I think that was a problem with many of the major retailers. They all had a similar buy and nothing was very unique upon them. So to find something unique again, I think is... I think is most right. retailers realize that, but it doesn't mean that they're pivoting away yeah. from that because what you know still is safest. You know, so however for us, As Black Dog, we are small enough to be nimble, but established enough to be trusted. Yeah. So if we, in this case, particularly Michael, if Michael says, hey, try this new brand, we will not do wrong by you, the buyers tend to say, okay, he's never done wrong by me before. I trust this guy. Okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And Katie giving me credit, I have to give her credit because something else that we do is I guess we help the brands merchandise. And Katie and I both take part in that. And I think it's really important with emerging brands. But Katie really takes a central role in that in helping all of the brands get ready for our market and sometimes just even the global market, not just the North American market. And I think that's a, a service that we offer the brands that you can't put a price on it. Yeah, it's, it's a 360 I do want to chat real quickly because, you know, you both are very involved in the menswear industry. What do you like about the menswear industry in general? I Silence. Thought, no, no, no. I thought hard about that. I mean, we're going through very complicated times. And so I really had to look at not so much this moment, but in general, um, what, what draws me to the industry. And it's, it is simple in a way. It's the relationships that we have with the stores and the trust that Katie talked about that we built up because of those relationships. 
And then the relationships that we have with the brands. Again, we have a certain reputation in the market. And so that opens the door for them first to listen to us. And then yeah. we, we prove what we say through sales and through certain recognition. My take is menswear is a burgeoning market, not just with young men, but with all men. They're, I think men today take their self-style a little bit more seriously now than when you think about like our Michael and my parents, like the, the, my father didn't care what he wore, yeah. right? So, but now, even when I look at my friends who are, who are dads, they care about what they wear. So it gives, so this means that it gives us so many more opportunity to play with, to be in an industry that's just now blossoming, finally. Finally. Finally, right? After, after so many years. My only note about the menswear industry, because of course I have less experience, but I find that's very much more collaborative. Um, but that is also a key of trust because you trust someone that they'll make an introduction, you trust someone to help you out. And I find that in my experience here, you know, like you and like Fred, you know, of DLS Outfitters have really taught me a lot for when, when I started two years ago, I knew. You're right. Absolutely nothing. You're right. The um, menswear community is more of a community than the women's wear industry. That's an industry where like women's wear is an industry, men's wear is a community. What are some fallacies that brands often have about working with the showroom? <laughs> I'd like to start with that okay. one and say that since we work with mostly international brands, I think the one of the biggest things, even when the brands say, no, 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 we're not that way. They look at the geography of North America and they multiply that times volume. Mm. Um, right. They think size of the country equals size of the order. Yeah. And, and so not true. Gee, if you look at, at, at North America and the United States alone, you could think that, but we know we live here that in North Dakota, there aren't a lot of stores yeah. um, in Wyoming, not a lot of stores. And that covers a, you know, a good amount of territory. Well, not, not a lot of stores in the sector that we work exactly. to be more specific. I think another important thing is, is that brands, especially European, European brands don't always understand the meaning of a, being a global brand. They think because they have a really great product and it's selling very well in Europe and Asia that, well, we can sell everywhere. That it will translate yeah. to the U.S. And I think the most important thing about being a global brand is being flexible to each market. A consistent global message is important, but each market has different needs. If it's fit, if it's sizing, if it's colors, if it's delivery. Fabric weights. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that's a really important thing. Global doesn't mean that we sell well around the world. What Michael just described is a mistake many Europeans, European brands make very often. And if we could help one brand to not make that mistake, then, then we did something good today. <laughs> um, something else that I think brands think that after two seasons, you can become a hot brand without any marketing, PR, or promotional support. That is the greatest assumption that they should not make. I, I come into that problem very often with Quebec companies because they're a big fish in Quebec, so they think that they don't and need precisely, any of precisely that why. in the U.S. And 
you know, and then, and even with their big fish, sometimes they're not even the best stores, like they're not in essence, but they think that they're all the other stores. They think that in the U S they could just succeed without any marketing budget behind right. it. Pointed at that particular market, even though we're both in North America, the Canadian ideas and, and the way a, a, a Canadian consumer thinks about something is different yeah. than it is here. Very, very different. There's some similarities, but it's very, it's very different. I mean, you can just yeah. take the outerwear market yeah. itself. It's a highly successful market in Canada, and it is successful here, but not as important. Well, and the winter and the winters here are becoming exactly. more and more mild. So right, the, exactly. The need for outerwear decreases. Right. Thereby, it's not even just outerwear. You, the because we tend to work with international brands in winter seasons, we get bulky sweaters. No one wears a bulky sweater anymore. We tend to layer, you know, yep. we are a layering society. So when you have a collection full of bulky sweaters, where do you go? <laughs> Wait, where do you go from there? But marketing is very important. Americans are addicted to hype. Like, we don't know if we like what we like without being verified and validated yeah. by social media. Right. That is the problem. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's a problem, but that is the challenge and the job at hand. If you are a brand, you have to help the Americans to feel like they're validated that, you know, that they like your brand. So that's why without marketing. Yeah. I also think that's being implemented correctly in a hype driven society. It has to be implemented without being too obvious. I think that the buyer, store owner, the consumer likes to feel they know the brand the first time they see it. Um, and that's kind of a subconscious thing. And familiarity, we all want something we're familiar with. Right, but maybe you're really not. Yeah. But it's the marketing that brought you to that yeah. point. Oh, I know this brand. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that's one hand, right? We want to feel familiarity. On the other hand, you want to feel like you're the discoverer of a brand as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first two. You're on. the first one out of your group to say, hey, you know, I've discovered brand X. So it's kind of too... On the consumer yeah, side. Yeah, on the consumer the side. Buyer, the buyer doesn't, maybe he wants to say that he wants to be the discoverer or she, but I don't think that's always true. They don't want to take that high of a risk all the time. So. Exactly. <laughs> And we'll I get disagree. to that later. I disagree. I disagree. I think, you know, certain retailers like to be the first. They want to be that discoverer. They want to be the one to say, I put this brand on the map. No one knew it when I took it off. Right. I think they're in the minority, though. And they are special stores that do that. There may be only a few stores that can actually do that and put it on the map, though, as opposed to others. There's not that many that can say, I was the right. first to put it right. on. And those are the marketing stores, if you will. It's a, it's a small they are. Video, they're the it, type of retailers that we use as, you know, we say, this is our market marketing budget. And to get to the rants and raves part, the title. We haven't been my, ranting and raving my yet. Series. Well, I mean, we haven't, but, you know, are there any rants or any raves that you both would like to, like, not say identify, but would like to share? Yeah, I mean, we both have, we both have, huh? <laughs> we can start positive with, with raves. Raves, raving is always good. I think that, I don't know if this is a rave or not, but we're obviously going through an extremely globally unique period right now. 
um, socially, health-wise, politically. And I think that this really opens up a, a period in, in what we do. I think that something that's been happening for a long time, kind of the evolution of the way a man dresses, not the evolution of menswear, but what's in that man's mind and how he's going to dress. It's been pushed a little further over the edge a little quicker. And I find that to be worth um, raising a flag. It's exciting. And luckily enough, I, I think that Black Dog is able to cater to a lot of those needs right now. So I hope that, that our stores will identify with that also. What excites me is learning. I love to learn. And right now, with so much advancement in technology related to art industry, which we've, you know, we've not been the most advanced yeah. industry <laughs> with technology. I'm learning so much. It doesn't come natural for me because I'm not Gen Z. I, you know, I wasn't born with like an appendage of a phone, <laughs> um, but I'm excited by pivoting my mind and just taking in all this new information that I can use to adjust my approach to business. The learning is really exciting. But if you're not learning, what's, what's the point? You know, well, that's how you challenge yourself every day. <laughs> well, that kind of brings to the negative. What, what, what frustrates <laughs> us, right? What frustrates me are people who refuse to change or learn from everything that we're experiencing. Or even as simply put, they, they tend not to be able to expand or broaden their horizon. Because, you know, there are retailers that we work with who are of a certain generation or age that it is harder for them to grasp technology. And some, some of them just put it aside and, some, and feel... But it's some, not just technology. Right, and that's They're what I'm trying to... too stubborn to listen to objective sound or to, see what, or to see what's in front of them yeah. and, and what they need to do. Um, rather than, again, using the pandemic as an example, rather than looking at how much you're behind what your budget was meant to be, you can't look at that. You have to put that last year's or this year's budget completely out because you never considered what, what's happening right now. And you have to look at this as day one within reason of still being able to stay in business. I guess what we should have started this whole conversation with was clarifying what our showroom caters to, right? We are not specialists in the luxury streetwear sector. Or it's tailoring. Not, or tailoring. Yeah. You know, these are not these are not areas that we want to go after. What we specialize in are style fashion but more timeless fashion and quality fashion this is where we you know this is where we traverse therefore our showroom can straddle between multiple worlds, worlds. Yes. so I, I think we should have led with that you know instead of now talking about it so maybe in the editing process <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why i thought of that is we're talking about stubborn people who don't want to listen to objective advice or learning. They're, they're apprehensive about learning. 
But then if you go to the other side, to like the streetwear side, it's filled with very young people who have no qualms about technology or, you know, or learning new, new tricks. What that sector lacks from my personal humble observation is there's no adult in the room <laughs> leading the pack. You know, people with experience um, and knowledge to say, okay, you guys are creative and you're fearless, but let's rein it in and do X, Y, and Z. So I think looking at both sectors, there, there are excitements and frustrations. They're the opposites in some ways. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that they're cognizant or want to be cognizant of the prior chapters of the book. They started let's say in the middle, and that's where they want to begin, you know, their history. And I think that when you're selling, you have to be able to think about what was to understand what is. I think another thing going along with what Katie said, that we are built around style, quality, and newness, but added to that, we also add a way for stores to make money with these brands, to make good margin. It's not just about selling this and and leaving yeah yeah, exactly we offer them um important ways to make profit and and we have to describe that when we're showing that to them and that is a way to to get them to understand what we're talking about and that's a true partnership because it's a win-win at the end of the day it's not just the po's gone i'm done i'm running away no that's (laughs) just the beginning that's that's just the beginning and that's something that we are very cognizant of and we try our best sometimes we fall short you know i don't want to say that black dog does so well and we you know we do everything right that's not true you know sometimes we really fall short like oh my gosh we forgot to tell you know store x that their delivery is going to be a week late or hey we should be sending out product information to the stores about this brand because we're in a situation where we cannot travel to the stores to give product information and product knowledge and stand in front of your sales staff and and, and just talk about this new brand. So we've got to now do it via a video, email, you know, Zoom. Oh, no more Zooms. Uh, uh, So, you know, we fall short. We fall short, but we try to learn. But the difference is if we do fall short, we feel bad about it. Yeah, we felt bad about when you it. learn and you learn from yeah. where you fell right. short. That's yeah. that's the and we difference. we catch up. I, and I think identifying, you know, with a lot of the brands you mentioned earlier, who don't want to change. A lot of times they don't identify where they're falling short right now. If they can never identify it, it's never going to be relevant. well. They can't see. Where yeah, they can't see it because so. they're doing so well in Germany. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to change. Yeah, exactly. That's what we often hear. Like, oh, we're doing so well in a particular country that we, they don't feel it's like great for them. But <laughs> okay, I do want to talk about Montreal since you know the lovely Quebec government is my sponsor, of course, um, and my employer. So, do you have anything to say about Montreal? Yes, I do. Katie and I uh, share many things, and we share a love of food. And I'll say after New York City lost H&H Bagel, Montreal became the number oh, one bagel. bagel place in North America, I think. I mean, you just have amazing places for bagels and you have amazing restaurants and food that really are unique to Montreal, not just to Canada. And I think that goes along then with the uniqueness of Montreal 
in North America and Canada. I mean, me personally, I wish that we had a city like Montreal in the United States that that had some better style values, understand, understood European fashion like Montreal does. We appreciate Montreal. Okay, would you like to say something about Montreal? Um, a bientôt, vous êtes belle. That's perfect for Mava. Merci à vous deux d'être avec moi. I can speak some Merci there. beaucoup. <laughs> and then I'm sure we'll get all together soon. So, for another time. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. A très bientôt.